one. Chris, the topic we will be discussing today is an interesting one. How do you run computer slash hacking sequences that are exciting and don't bog the game down for other players? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's an unusually specific question that I uh, <laughs> that uh, seemed cool. I think when we came up with it, and I guess we'll see what happens when we try to discuss it. So. Yes. Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rowe. And this week we are joined by James Pozzanel. Hi, I'm James. Hey James, thanks for coming on. Um, so we got connected to you through a mutual friend um, and uh, you and I, well, let's say this, you had emailed, <laughs> you'd emailed me and then I dropped off for like a year or so, <laughs> but then we, we managed to connect at the, um, the Ann Arbor Public Library um, out here, did a game design expo a couple weeks ago, which was super fun. So they had a that bunch of like, local Southeast Michigan game designers um, showing up there and you had a booth there, um, which is great. Um, so yeah, I guess, why don't you tell us all about yourself and like kind of your, your history with gaming and I guess, um, yeah, like what you're publishing these days. All right, cool. Uh, so I'm James Posnell. I am a, um, I, you know, by day I'm a, a computer guy doing computer things. Um, and then by night I, I, I take my laptop and I write. Um, so I'm an author. I self-publish. Nice. I also uh, recently became like a, a regular freelance contributor to Goodman Games, mm-hmm. who oh, publishes nice. Dungeon Crawl Classics and Mutant Crawl Classics and Lankmar and Dying Earth. Uh, they just released that box set for the Kickstarter. Sorry to interrupt. I just got my gigantic Dying Earth Kickstarter box in the mail. Oh, you did? It's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's a ludicrous amount of stuff. Uh, yeah. The boxes are like super thick. I've never even seen a box like that. It's <laughs> offered like on the edges and everything. It's like amazing. I don't know if you followed that one or not, but they... There was so much stuff that it came in two box sets instead of one. So, <laughs> yeah, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt, James. Uh, Carry no, on. No, no. us- it's uh, to gush about that project is 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 definitely deserve it because um, it's it's an amazing amount of stuff and and I got to write for it too, which was oh, nice. oh wow so, fantastic. Can do you, can you share a little bit about what was your writing role in it? Yeah. So they you know they had the Kickstarter and everything was done. You know they really did have like the first boxes that had been in play development for like a, a few years, um, several years, I think. And after the Kickstarter, they had a bunch of stretch goals. Um, so there was like a manse, uh, a, a bunch of magician manses. I wrote one. Uh, mm-hmm. There were some demons and, 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 and you know, otherworldly entities. Kind of wrote up one of those. Got to write up some spells. Got to write up a curse. Uh, oh, so okay. A bunch of stuff in the four in the in the second the Kickstarter only package. I I, I, oh. I don't know five thousand words or or ten thousand words. I can't remember how much. That's super cool. Yeah. So you that it sounds like that was like kind of an established um, connection you had had with them. Well, I, you know, I started as the community of DCC is fantastic because it's just like welcome, do whatever you like, you know. And, and 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 people will support you, which is you know, not every every game system is like that. That the actual yeah. fans are like uh, treat third party content with as much um, you know, uh, they love it just as much as as the as the stuff that's coming from the company, right? Yeah. And 
so I just started writing third party content and I've been writing, I think my, well, I was, I was just noting that it was five years ago. I wrote my first, you know, like it's a, a 180 page book. That was my <laughs> first book, <laughs> uh, a supplement for elves. Uh, yeah. like, and so, so just been doing third party stuff and then eventually did it by myself, DIY, um, self-publishing and, you know, you get to know people and then eventually they're like, we like your stuff. Could you, mm -hmm. could you please come and write, you know, could you fill in, you know, for a little bit here? Yeah. yeah. That's great. So yeah. did you do that? The first book you wrote, was that one of your Kickstarters or did the, the Kickstarters come after that? It was a Kickstarter. It wasn't my Kickstarter. It was a, a guy um, from Australia, David Fisher, uh, Shinobi 27 games is his company. And he's like a was an early uh, writer, third party writer in in DCC. So he's got a bunch of stuff um, that he was writing, including uh, the predecessor to the book. So I wrote like a, a volume two, and he has a volume one, uh, kind of like the same topics, uh, which yeah. is patrons like developing these patrons in in DCC. <laughs> and so I just kind of said like a whisper from the internet, like let me write a book for you and. <laughs> Yeah. Like I'm from America. You should totally uh, yeah. let me do this. <laughs> Please take pity on me. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you can do it yourself, you know? And I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm nervous. You know, I never yeah. did this before. So that was the first one. It was a kick, his Kickstarter, but I think my first solo Kickstarter was house of the red doors, which is, was my first adventure that I self-published. Cool. And is most of the stuff you've done for DCC or MCC? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big rabid convert to to dcc <laughs> but, yeah. well yeah I'd, I'd like to hear more about that actually i mean if you're into old school gaming you are spoiled for great choices right now um i'm curious so why is dcc the one that is great for you uh it was about oh geez uh six years seven years ago i was playing five uh, 3.5 and uh Anybody who's played that, it's just, there's this kind of, there's a lot of mechanics, right? If you develop an adventure, there's just a ton of mechanics that you are able to kind of bring into the system. And the, and the players are too, right? Like their builds for their characters are like a game in itself, right? And then, and then the GM's on the other side of that doing the exact same, you know, in opposition, uh, building these adventures, right? Using all the mechanics, it all has to kind of like mathematically work and mm -hmm. be balanced and all this other stuff. And that's a way to do things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I got really tired of like the armorer and the weaponsmith, you know, kind of dynamic of, mm -hmm. of, of how that system works essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. Players build better characters. The dungeon master has to answer in kind. Yeah. Uh, with the <laughs> right. Um, so I said, that's it. It's over. We're not playing it. <laughs> <We're> playing <laughs> no more. Please no. <laughs> yeah. And tomorrow we're rolling up new characters. And I, basically in, in this kind of like last stages of the 3.5 campaign, I was like, I need a different system. I need to play something else. And I don't want to go back to AD and D or, or BX or, or whatever. I don't want to rehash all that stuff. So I was really looking for something that, you know, fit and like the vibes were like the vibes I want and, 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 and in total, like, uh, flying in the face of having to do tons of prep, right? Like 
2.5 requires tons of prep or written out stuff or whatever you want to do. And I like making my own stuff. Everybody does, don't they? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fun to run the adventures, but it's also fun to like sandbox your campaign and get it from point A to point B, right? You mm-hmm. can, maybe you got those things in the center, but you're, you gotta go from, I don't know, the temple of elemental evil to, 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 you know, barrier peaks or whatever it's gotta be. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so I was looking at, uh, was it Adventure or Conqueror King? And then I was also looking at uh, maybe another system and then DCC. And I was just like, this is perfect because it was a die 20 system. Uh, so we used a lot of SRD kind of components, but then layers on like just some crazy town stuff, especially like spells. So the spells, everybody, you know, the, the caster rolls to see how, what kind of effect they generate. Right. And so the table for invisibility covers like the spells in DD of invisibility all the way to like mass improved invisibility. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It just depends how high you roll on the chart. Yeah. And so there's one spell instead of like, I don't know, in DD, there's like four or five for invisibility, yeah. something like that. <laughs> um, so that was a cool component. Plus, you know, casters can fail and crazy stuff can happen. Mm-hmm. Like it can blow up or they can like, um, become kind of mutated by the magic they're wielding. And and then patrons was another really awesome thing. It was like uh, casters kind of form these relationships with these supernatural entities. And, and you know, so you have kind of a, a good questing mechanism, mm-hmm. uh, you know, move stories along. Uh, the past patrons could essentially ask for, you know, make demands of, of their, uh, of the, the characters and in exchange, they're kind of given, you know, special powers or different spells or, or that kind of stuff. And, and so those two things combined are awesome. Plus it's just really loose. Like there's mighty deeds, which is like every single feat is available to a fighter. Mm-hmm. They just have to roll high on a, mm-hmm. on a, on a, on a deed die. It's a separate die roll that they roll with their attack. There's just so many cool parts about it. That was just like, this is just open, right. To like, uh, there's not a lot of rules, not a lot of mechanics. There's like a handful. And then you just play it at the table. You rule it at the table. You know, you just kind of make your decisions. But And, and the really brilliant part about the book is there's no, there's no rules, but there's tons of, way, of, of examples of ways you can rule something. Right. right? And, and so you, if you really are, you know, kind of read it cover to cover, which at this point is kind of a freelance writer and, and writer in general in this system, I have kind of explored lots of nooks and crannies of the book. And it's like, there's so much in here. It's like, yeah. it took all the stuff out of 3.5 and just kind of sprinkled it out through the book. Right. And then you can yeah. use it or not use it. I've played and read through the DCC rule book, but it, it cracks me up almost every time I pick it up and flip through it. I land on a page I swear I have not seen before. Like, and it, 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 there is a little bit of that feel of that first edition Dungeon Master's Guide that you had, where mm. every time you opened it, you, you were on some weird table you don't remember seeing before. Um, mm. But I wanted to say the, I think patrons are, if I were to pick one thing from DCC that really, um, that really hit me is patrons, because I felt like it, it solved it solved two challenges that like fantasy RPGs have. One is that there's this like rich history, and I guess I'm mostly talking about Elric, but not only Elric, of people, you know, uh, with 
difficult relationships with you know deities and and patron entities and stuff and you know how do you do that in D anD I know that there's been stabs at kind of warlocks who have patrons right. and stuff, but it it's not nearly as fleshed out. And then it also just kind of helps with this more general problem of how you be like a cleric or someone who is ostensibly serving a deity in this fantasy world, but also going on adventures. That that's always been something that I think, at least all the games I've played in, that's either kind of the relationship with the deities either faded into the background entirely, mm-hmm. um, or we've just had to kind of wrangle with mm-hmm. what that looked like in the context of also you're exploring this dungeon. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I thought DCC's handling of patrons was kind of secretly revolutionary. Yeah, for sure. And and what about spell dueling? Like not to bring up another thing, but like, <laughs> yeah. like the concept that all of a sudden, like the wizards can just break out and duel like in the middle of combat. Yeah, that's super fun. I've uh, so I played in a, a funnel of DCC. So this was uh, I looked it up because I always get it wrong. It's Sailors on the Starless Sea. Oh, a brilliant <laughs> um, adventure. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, so our friend, our, our sister show, the Splat Book. Um, they just had an episode talking specifically about this this funnel, just because there's so many things in it that are just brilliant. But I had an absolute blast playing it, and I know we touched like maybe two pages worth of the mechanics in DCC yeah. <laughs> going there because right? it, it was really more about the funnel but it definitely made me like oh I should take a look at this like I think this is this is sort of what I'm after when I want to play in this mode of storytelling yeah with this yeah kind of like kind of grungy kind of metal you know like yeah the hack and slash adventure for sure right like there's it's a lot of fun at the table everyone's laughing right yeah. everyone's you're even when you're failing you're laughing because it's like something dumb happens you know like, <laughs> yeah you fumbled and, and then all of a sudden you're on the on the floor or, or like you know whatever i think i had like a cat swarm and it fumbled and i said they all just start fighting each other and then they, <laughs> they, 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 the, the swarm disperses right like yeah, that's, that was their fumble right yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of creativity like inherently you can do anything you want, like at the table. You don't have to like, you know, trudge yeah. through the rule set. So, James, could we talk about? Um, I had a. I want to hear what you're working on right now, like if you're willing to share. But I also had a question. You just had a book come out called um, "Cats of Rot Blue." Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yep. It's for DCC. Is that right? It's for DCC, it's a okay. first level adventure. It's a zine size. It's. Um, it takes a lot of Lovecraft and, and Clark Ashton Smith uh, kind of stories and kind of like plays with them. So there's lots of kind of uh, references to, to Lovecraft and and specifically like ghouls and mythos ghouls, not, not D&D ghouls. Yeah. Well, I had a specific question about that because you see Clark Ashton Smith, he gets, he gets name checked a lot in this type of fantasy game, but I always feel like Lovecraft usually kind of gets the top billing. Yeah. So I'm curious, could you, could you share with us, like, what does it mean? What does, what does drawing inspiration from Clark Ashton Smith look like compared to say, uh, drawing inspiration from Lovecraft or Howard? Um, That's uh, an essay question right there. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, uh, I, mean, I, and I didn't mean if, and you are, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm, I'm really intrigued. I read one collection of stories, I think. Zothique is that again? I might pronounce it wrong. Years yeah. ago, I really enjoyed it from Smith, um, and there is this sense of like he's kind of this side presence in the hobby that and I, I don't know. And so I'm curious. Um, you cited him specifically as inspiration. So yeah, yeah, 
He's uh, great. I mean, he he kind of like straddles a line between um, uh, like what Lovecraft is doing and and like uh, getting closer to like like horror um, mm. in essence, right? Like, there's a lot of like terrible things in in you know in the stories that he writes. Um, uh, you know, an, an island of of zombies where you know the the the, the the magic user has died and it's kind of like, it's still carrying on and he rides mm. on shore. Also the Averonia, you know, series like they're in France or like a, a, a version of France where there's this, you know, these terrible things happening in the middle ages. Um, so the, he has a really wide, like cast a wide kind of a set of topics, right? Like Zothic is one thing, right? And then there's just, he's got so many different uh, kind of, um, cycles of stories that that he kind of does and, and and he was like an autodidact he like read the 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 dictionary <laughs> <laughs> and he uh just so he's using all this language too he's like just really rich um you know use of language in in the stories so, so and that's attractive as well mm-hmm. um but he just yeah he's got some he's got just a little different take like howard is very you know great action scenes mighty thews I mean, some good, like, you know, terrible monsters and that kind of stuff. And, and, and you know, uh, Lovecraft is always kind of like that, that cosmic horror and just kind of like uh, in, in a, some, some sort of like inevitability that you're just going to, you know, you're going to go mad or, or die or, or whatever. And and he and then but Clark Ashton Smith is just this really, you know, kind of these horror vignettes uh, that kind of, you know, and he's got so many stories. It's just hmm. crazy. I have like a. Amazon has like a, a Kindle, 133 weird tales stories. I'm not even <laughs> finished with it. I mean, maybe yeah. halfway through the book. Yeah. You know, it's like 4,000, I don't know, phone pages or whatever. Yeah. But you get the idea. <laughs> yeah. But he's he was not... always like, he was in their orbit. And it's just, mm-hmm. uh, I think he's forgotten largely because he didn't appear on Appendix N. Mm. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Is it yeah. fair to say, I'm, and I'm, this is a years old memory of reading the Zothi stories it uh, so lovecraft's dreamlands have never really connected with me um and i felt my memory of reading smith is that it was it felt like a slightly more grounded um dreamlands it's it's fantastic but a little less well i guess a little less dreamlike um, yeah. is that a fair way to describe it or not really i i, I think there's something to that um uh you know, th- there's episodes, right, where the character's kind of in modern times, you know, for for then, and and then all of a sudden they transition into this, you know, cosmic. Uh, kind of feels like they have left the planet, really, mm. right? Like they've gone somewhere completely different. There's always, I don't know, there's something really um, spacey about the vibes that he gives off in the stories in the in that Zothic cycle, especially. Like I don't know if if we just teleported to another planet or what, but that's kind of like the feeling I get from it. And that's way different than, you know, what Lovecraft is usually doing with that. With Dreamlands is always like, you know, you don't know where, really where you are, right? Like Panath or Kadath or wherever you're going, you, you, you have a sense that you've traveled through realms, but where they are, I don't know, under the earth, somewhere on earth, like above earth. I don't know. 
That's yeah. interesting. You're, you're selling me on reading something by Smith <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah. Cause every time I've tried to re read like Lovecraft, I'm just like, I don't really have like a concrete sense of what's happening. And I know that's part of like the experience of it too, yes. but yeah, it's something that just always sort of bugged me. It's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, like my, maybe my imagination is not good enough to, to read Lovecraft <laughs> effectively. He's got a different vibe too. His voice is yeah, way different. Cause he's yeah. like, he read, um, like lots of Edgar Allan Poe and lots of stuff from the late 19th century. And that's kind of mm. the literary style he pulls from when he's writing all his stories, you know, H.P. Lovecraft and others, you know, don't have that same exposure and voice in their, in their work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So could you tell us a little bit about, um, a little bit about cats and then if you've got something else you're working on, yes. can you so cats, tell us about that too? Yeah. 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 So cats is, uh, this, this homage to the, you know, these guys that we were just talking about, you know, Lovecraft and, 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 uh, Clark Ashton Smith and also Husker Du, who I uh, adore. Nice. Um, <laughs> so there, there's a song like, uh, how to, uh, how to skin a cat. And it's like, it's about, <laughs> like a cat fur farm and you're feeding the rats <laughs> cats and the cats the rats and so that's kind of forms the basis of the adventure <laughs> <laughs> i love it <laughs> uh, but all reversed for from the standpoint of the mythos ghouls who need to eat flesh mm -hmm. uh, dead flesh and so it's yeah. really about you know getting humans so that they can get uh you know find ways to lure humans so they get the human meat and let's get the cycle, you know, you know, mm -hmm. going for, and so it's really dumb, but. <laughs> no, I, I read through it a little bit. I kind of like, yeah, skimmed through it just before um, we got on the call and uh, there's some really fun images, <laughs> really fun images in there. I think it vacillates between kind of like, Oh, a little bit of Scooby-Doo and then just something really crazy and horrible. Yeah. <laughs> that's, well, great. that's great. Uh, and is that, yeah, that's at drive through RPG, right? Is it also in print? Yep. Um, have it in print. Um, Goodman games, their store will carry it online. Okay. Um, I usually manage to get copies into like vault of midnight. And oh, cool. so, and I have stuff down there right now, I'm sure. Um, yeah. but if you're interested, there's copies of all my stuff that's at, great. At, at vault of midnight. I got to get them to uh, pick up the cats though. That just came out. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And my other big project to is, and it relates to our topic. Ha ha. Yes. Perfect. Uh, is, um, uh, net crawl, which is if you, you know, dungeon crawl is classics. It's like everything you can think of. There's a crawl version of it essentially. Mm -hmm. So there's like Western and there's like, you know, space and there's, you know, it just, it just goes on and on. People just keep on using the system as a springboard to, to, to make their own settings and games. Mm -hmm. And so, me too, in a way, but it's net crawl and it's kind of like Tron going inside the, the mm. computer to do the adventuring um, versus, you know, uh, our topic, which is how do you do skill? You know, how do you hack into a computer? How do you make that mm -hmm. fun? Right. And so that's usually a skill check or like there's a specialist character, that thief, thiefy kind of character who, who can get, get you around the computer systems. And, and this says, nope. We're all going to go in. You know, every character goes in to the net, yeah. like, like Tron, and you have a big cyber dungeon adventure instead. That's Get what awesome. you need, and then you can go back out to to the real space again and continue, you know, the adventure. Is is the assumption that you're adding this on to a campaign you're already running that you want to add like a, a kind of a Tron, um, you know, Matrix type world to it, or am I understanding you wrong? Uh, it can be that. And I think, uh, it's, I've been working on it for about 
a year, maybe a little bit longer, maybe two now um, uh, on this project. And or- originally it was kind of like, you know, it's a sidecar cyber, you know, net net sidecar to whatever adventure, whatever game you're playing right now. So that could be like cyberpunk or that could be MCC or that could be, you know, a space like traveler or mothership or it doesn't mm-hmm. even matter. Right. It's just like, yeah. if, if there's a computer, you can use this setting as, as a way to, um, uh, adventure, you know, get do computer stuff. That's mm-hmm. not just skill rolling. Yeah. But there's also, I think, you know, and this has been part of the discovery is like, how do you package this up so that people can kind of um, understand it and use it? And maybe not everyone wants to use it the same way. So I think there's like a a handful of books. There's like kind of the base idea of being inside the computer. Mm -hmm. That's just, it could be you're just telling stories about living inside the computer, like humanity's all just kind of plugged in and and that's where the stories are are now in online hmm. right and it's not so much about the meat space anymore yeah. but uh, another book kind of handles the uh, another version of the game or like an add-on to the game is how do you reconcile two two games together right like mm-hmm. a meat space game and a in a in, in computer game um so so i think it can, can kind of go a couple different ways is is basically my my take on it that's fascinating well this rolls right into our topic so i want to move on to that but before we do so when can we expect to see when could we will this be coming out if you know uh and how would we go about getting it when it does so netcrawl is currently i'm doing the patreon which is kind of a fascinating experience Mm -hmm. but i'm on patreon kind of releasing bits and pieces every every month and that's um patreon.com slash lectrotext. We can add it to the notes or something. Yes. Yeah, yep, for sure. And then, um, and so my plan right now is, you know, probably next year is, mm. and I'll do a crowd crowdfunding for it. Nice. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thanks for walking through all of that stuff with us, James. Uh, shall we kind of <laughs> officially, oh, this, is, this has been fantastic so far. Yeah. Uh, Let's officially move into the topic and let me provide a little bit of context for this one because I think I came up with this question. Mm-hmm. So the the topic lurking behind this question, this is a specific incarnation of a broader question, which is kind of like, what do you do when one character has kind of a a thing that they do that unless you um, unless you take some uh, effort to change this kind of just mostly stars them mm-hmm. uh, and it's important to the plot and the setting or whatever. And so, you know, I have in my mind, you know, cyberpunk games that I feel I, I have, I would love to hear otherwise, but I have yet to see a cyberpunk game that really nails this experience, <laughs> yep. but uh, you know, um, but you know, there's other ways in which this happens, you know, wizards, wizards can, you know, travel to a different plane or something like that, or, mm-hmm spaceship pilots can be the only ones making roles in a, <laughs> you know, a long space battle or something. Right. So uh, happy to talk specifically about the idea of kind of hacking computers, but that, that is the larger like kind of lurking question I had when I came up with this. So I don't know. Um, does one of you guys want to start by um, talking about a time when you bumped into this in a, a real game? Yeah. Um I can start. I mean, the, the obvious answer is right. Just Shadowrun second edition, nailed it and move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
No, I did. I did play in the game of, of Shadowrun Second Edition at the the last World for Topic Con that Tim Tim Saucer ran it. Um, yeah, and there was there was one one person who hacked into something at one point, and it did feel like this totally separate. Like he's making this big role, and it was super cool, and I'm glad he got to do it. And like <laughs> I kind of wish we had been able to do do some other stuff along with it. Um, it's 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 interesting because I think there's like this, especially with hacking there's this mystique around it. Like when you, when someone says hacking, like you sort of, everybody has a vision of what that means. I think if you're a programmer, you're like, Oh geez. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Like, but if you're not right, you're like, Oh, like I'm thinking about CSI, like someone, you know, like two people at the computer, like hacking into a, into a mainframe or, you know, like, I don't know, whatever, you know, pick, pick your favorite media. Yeah. What was that? Guy with a hoodie, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like Mr. <laughs> Mr. Robot, like walking along the pier, like, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. And so, I mean, I think there's like, there's that part of it where it feels like it's something that you have to specialize in doing. Like maybe it's like, you know, like you were saying, Andy, like a pilot character, right? Like it's, it's something that you can't just have everyone participate in. So it has to be the special, the special case. Um, it sounds like James, like you're, you're trying to work towards, let's not make it a special case. Let's make it, make it something that everybody can do. Yeah. 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 Uh, It's, 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 you read the books, right? Cyberpunk books, like the Neuromancer series, fantastic yeah. books, awesome books, right? Like, yeah. why wouldn't I want to play that? And yeah. but he he has the advantage, right? He's controlling the narrative, and he can go from chapter uh, meat space chapter to cyberspace chapter, and nobody and you're not left hanging, right? Yeah, you're not you're not, you're not like waiting for the cyber. Well, you, know, you can be pretty excited about one one side or the other, right? Like the that's a, another really interesting. He's building uh, anticipation. You know, you, he's stopping the narrative right when it's getting good, and then he like pops you into a different one just to kind of like, yeah. mess with yeah. you. Yeah, right? yeah. And and but regardless of that, he has the power, and you are totally um, your agency is to read, right? Mm-hmm. And when you do that at a table, it really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Like, okay, now we're going to stop everything. And this person's going to take like 15 to 30 minutes to, to figure out this thing. And everyone's like, starts looking down at their phones mm-hmm. or like, you know, going to the refrigerator or what, whatever. <laughs> they're, they're no longer invested in the story because yeah. they're out of it. Yeah. And, and it's a bad experience at the table. And first experience was like cyberpunk 2020, right? Like mm-hmm. the, 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 the beginning of, of the genre for, for gaming. And you're like, it happens. It just all of a sudden the net, the edge runner has to do this thing and everybody just sits and waits until it's mm-hmm. over. And same could be said, like you, you were just pointing out is like, it happens in lots of uh, parts of the game. Like the thief all of a sudden, right. There's a trap. Now yeah. he's got to just roll and everybody watches. Um, those are usually mercifully short, right? The, those yeah. detect trap and, and find trap rolls. Um, but you know, hacking can be way more involved, right? And and people, you know, to your point, Chris, like make it into something that maybe it's not really at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh Because when you like see what what that involves professionally, it's like a lot of programs are just kind of running by themselves, and and mm-hmm. and you know, there's even that's not a ton of interaction. Yeah. It's, it is like, I mean, I think the, the thief with the traps is a good, is a good one. Cause I know, uh, like running those scenarios as a GM, it's always been really fun for me. Cause it's like, in the thief is like, well, you know, I check for, you know, traps or whatever. It's like, well, maybe there wasn't a trap there, but let's, let's kind of go with it. Right. So getting to invent this like clever trap on the fly that they get to disarm and stuff, right. Like there's a really fun back and forth that I can think can, think can happen. 
in those moments that maybe doesn't happen with other mechanics in a lot of games. Um, right. When it's really more like a, okay, like this is some variation on you swinging your sword, right? Like you're swinging your sword, you're shooting your arrow, something like that. But like a trap, it's like, oh, like, let's be clever, clever about it. I think the same thing can happen with those, those hacking sequences as you, you almost like turn on a different part of your brain as a GM in, in the traditional like hacking scene. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly why that is, but that's just something I've noticed when I've been running games. It, it, I'm right now kind of in the middle of writing an adventure for, for this, for the system. And even that's kind of like, you know, you're, you're starting to think about, uh, the architecture of a, of a, a shipboard computer system, which sounds like ludicrous yeah. uh, to make into an adventure. Um, but here <laughs> I am making servers and like, you know, firewalls and all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, because we're, you're going to have to step up against them, right? Like everyone's going to go in and have to deal with, with, with moving through this space in order to get to some quest ob- objective. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and God, I hope it's going to be fun. Like that's like the, huh. the fear of all this, right? Like here's this alternative. Does it yeah. suck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it'll be good. Um, yeah, I guess so. Like what? Let's maybe like, so let's flip this a little bit. Like let's talk about like, okay, let's, how could you make one of these setups interesting for everybody at the table? Right. Like, so like, again, in the, like sort of the trap scenario, like an obvious one for me is like, right. Like you, you have some, some sort of trap that can't be disarmed by one person. Right. So you have to have kind of collaboration in order to, you know, to solve the trap. Like maybe there's a switch plate. Someone has to step on, someone else has to pull a lever. Right. So you can kind of get, get other, um, other players involved that way. But are there, is there more you could do with, with hacking, other than let's all watch him stack up his D6s. Well, I'd throw out there, um, you know, if, if they've taken the trouble to protect this information, there there can be, you know, things like physical defenses in the room, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that, that could be, could force the, all the, all the players who are acting, uh, uh, waiting uh, to interact with, with that trouble. Right. And mm-hmm. so it could be, I mean, I think this is the typical thing, right? Guards bust in, right. And yeah. a firefight breaks out. And I guess that kind of keeps it exciting, uh, but you're kind of going, you're going back and forth. I, Chris, I'm intrigued by when you were talking about a trap and you talked about sort of this uh, back and forth kind of mutual challenge and creativity that the player and the GM mm-hmm. kind of engage in as you are fleshing out what the, how this trap works like on the fly and, and in response to what the player says they're attempting to do or where, mm-hmm. what they're checking out. I don't know. Like I, I, I don't, I don't think I'd really want this in most games, but for whatever reason, hacking feels to me like, um, like a good setup for like a mini game of some sort. Mm-hmm. Like, a, I want to like bust out a deck of cards or something, you know, <laughs> like I, there's something about the, um, like at least in our kind of popular fictional idea of what hacking looks like this idea that, one side is kind of playing their hand and the other side mm-hmm. is um, reacting with a kind of counter strike. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I think I don't, I wouldn't want, uh, I, I think it would be dumb if the game had to stop every time in your cyberpunk game, you tried to hack something and you all had to stop and play a different game in the middle of it. But <laughs> um, you know, it just makes me think about like some kind of a, uh, kind of collaborative, like a quick collaborative, like mini game where maybe hmm. one person is like one person is taking the lead, but everybody else has something they can play or or do to impact it. You know, um, 
That's interesting. Yeah. Why not? I like the idea of the card deck. I like the idea of like putting the card, you know, some of the, the, the opponent's card deck in the hands of the players. Like, mm. yeah. Something that's kind of programmed, right? There's nothing uh, set about how it should be strategized with, as far as like from the game master's perspective of like, it has to play out in a certain way. It's, it's kind of like loose, right? Like here's some things that happen. Let them mm. deal the cards and, and act as the opponent. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I like, um, <laughs> right. You should just kind of pause and play Netrunner. runner. It's like that card game is super good. I don't know if either of you have played. played I, I know of it and, yeah. and it's out of print. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's out of print. Like it's, it's great. Right. Like, so if you can somehow track down a super expensive copy on eBay or you know, whatever, <laughs> um, but, uh, That's yeah, it. you've heard our official recommendation is yes. buy an expensive out of print game and play it instead of your role playing game. Yeah. So. Look, if you're listening to this podcast, you have a uh, mini abandoned, uh, CCGs in your closet. So <laughs> don't, don't even act like this is a problem. So, um, yeah, but like, I mean, that, that game does a really good job of kind of this asymmetrical play, which I think like that's sort of what we're getting at with like when we're talking about hacking is like you have your, your opponent or your GM, right? Whatever has like the, the, the corporations card, right? Like, so they have, they have like sort of defenses that you don't cause you have all these sort of attacks that are going on. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, I really do like that idea of like, yeah, like, yeah, using, using some sort of like physical manifestation of that, like, well, I'm just going to, you know, type on the computer real fast. Um, I think would be pretty fun at the table. Yeah. And then like James, like what you're saying, like, yeah, the, the guards burst in, right? Like, so if you've got your, your meat shield character, they've got something to do, <laughs> you know, they're, they're tossing goons around left and right while someone else is, is trying to break in. I think it'd be fascinating to also add in, you know, the matrix, like, you know, Kenny's getting beat up and he's like, mm convulsing on the table yes yeah whatever like yes. there's something for like the that healer type person to kind yeah. of be involved in too right it's like stay yeah. you know hoping to stabilize him or or maybe like assists you know from other hmm. technical characters or, or medical characters to yeah that is such yeah. an effective like storytelling technique i get so tense like i know watching the matrix specifically but any movie where someone is off doing something while another character, you know, while time just ticks away is such a stressful in a good way mm -hmm. viewing experience. Um, yeah. And so put them in, in the, in a role, right. Of like, yeah. you have your friends like life in your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe, yeah, maybe you can, maybe the players outside, you know, can take actions. It's on them to determine how much time the, hacker has to get mm -hmm. the job done you know mm -hmm. like maybe there's some other things um i wanted to mention so i like so i like james i like the idea of kind of sidestepping this a little bit by having everybody participate in basically the, uh, one big hack together and it makes me in a lot of genre a lot of genre films like they're like take star wars i mean there is this trope in star wars that some characters are like you know really good at flying spaceships uh you know so whatever mm -hmm. luke skywalker is really good but the reality is if the everyone in that movie can pop into an x-wing and and fly it and shoot down tie fighters if the story mm -hmm. needs it so <laughs> i i sometimes wonder you know like when you think of a cyber a punk type setting you know do, do we need a hacker archetype you know do we need a hacker in a cyberpunk world or it seems like a little redundant or something. Why not just say that everyone has this baseline, uh, uh, baseline ability to hack stuff. Mm -hmm. um, right. I don't know. Like some could be better at it, right? Like higher, higher bonuses or dice or, yeah. or the, yeah. whatever the mechanics are that are involved. 
and then or or potentially and this kind of gets cro- goes cross grain to to everybody doing stuff and, and it is in fact something that kind of uh, the current version of cyberpunk does is like the net person has more actions than everybody else you know mm, yeah. they have like a so there's like ar is kind of like the the way they deal with it it's less about jacking in and more about like there's an ar and you like look at the and that's like the video games like this too right mm-hmm. you look up at the the camera and you kind of do this hack right to turn it off yeah so, okay. like four of these actions that they can take in a, a, a virtual reality or augmented reality but mm-hmm. i think that kind of like all of a sudden that person's making four rolls in a round yeah. and, and and the and the samurai street samurai is just making one attack right Which yeah is, yeah i don't know is uh so when thinking about this on like a really practical level, so let's say you're running a game and whatever, for whatever reason that the hacker has to make rolls and it's going to take 15 minutes to resolve. I'm curious, do you guys uh, just accept that and say, all right, it's the hacker and I are going to hash this out. Everyone go get a snack. Or do you try to put in those like little scene breaks? Okay. Now we're going to cut back. Mm-hmm. You know um, I'm curious what you guys, what you guys do. Scene breaks, yeah. There's, there's always got to be. <clears throat> I think there's, there's a sense for me that like pacing is pretty important when you're running games, and like anything you can do to sort of break it up and and share the spotlight around the table, I think is really useful. Unless you have someone who just needs to check out mentally or emotionally for whatever reason. But like, yeah, like I mean, I think like you know, there's there's no reason to be like, okay, let's roll and then roll again and roll again, right? Like just bounce between people as it's happening. Um, yeah, the other like quick thing that I wanted to say with this, like I think if I think you could probably like just not do the role for a lot of hacking stuff unless mm. it is something where you can involve the rest of the party in some other way. So if it is just going to be like a one-on-one, you know, computer versus hacker, hacker setup, it's like, well, I mean, if they have sort of infinite time and they're all by themselves, like just, you know, don't do the role. But like, if there is some sort of other thing that you can bring into the the scenario, maybe that's, that's your cue to, you know, to give the party something to do um, along with, with the hacking. I feel like at least a lot and at least a lot of the older cyberpunk games I've read have tried to make hacking interesting by making it like a multi-step process with mm-hmm. lots of roles. And yeah. it and I think this is what James uh you were kind of getting at earlier where one character suddenly is making like eight roles and everybody on their turn and everybody else is making one. You know, I I that's an I feel like that's maybe that's an understandable, but maybe a wrong way to make something more interesting is to make it more convoluted. You know, why not just have a single D20 resolve the hack in this way? A single mm-hmm. D20 resolves your attack, right? Right. Like, like I said, like the thief experience is like usually mercifully short, right? Like there's mm-hmm. a couple rolls and it's over and everybody goes back to, you know, exploring the rest of the dungeon. Yeah. Um, and so that feels tolerable as an experience. And, yeah. but, uh, but I think you're, you're, you're dead on Andy is like, they've, they've kind of contrived, uh, to, to bring this concept as like a, a, a playable, like mini game or, or whatever that, that kind of happens because it's cyberpunk, right? You go inside the computer, there's servers, yeah. there's, there's, <laughs> there's, there's firewalls and you have to defeat all them in order to get to the stuff. And maybe that's not an appropriate design at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, Hey, I think we're coming up on our time. Yeah. So I wanted to give 
Is there uh, anything kind of on this topic or I guess on any other topic that you've been holding on to that you guys want to share uh, before we wrap up the chat? I'm hoping, you know, uh, the, I think the net hack thing, it feels totally new, which is, you know, as an idea, like I, yeah. I was really looking and I really just couldn't find anything that was tr- going to say, okay, everybody just goes in. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I, otherwise I wouldn't be doing this. I, I think it was like, this is just <laughs> dumb, not a dumb idea. It's a, it's a, it's, it's fun. And uh, to get a new experience to design something that's mm-hmm. new, like the setting, basically it's like a whole yeah. RPG game. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not want to, to do that necessarily at the beginning of this, but like you get to this point where you're like, uh, I'm kind of, I'm, I want this game and it doesn't exist. Yeah. You're going to have to make it. (laughs) You're going to have to make it. Yeah. Um, And uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. Like the, 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 you know, the Patreon helps me, helps motivate me to continue working on the content. Like it's, I have a schedule stuff has to come out. Um, And then, and and, and at the same time, it's growing, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. it's, it's all kind of working together to, to, to get to the place, but, um, I'm, yeah. I'm really excited about the idea. So on my brief skim through it, this will be my my wrap up, my final thing, I promise out. My brief skim through it, uh, I was struck by uh, the really, really quirky kind of character classes. Um, can Do you have like a favorite class to design that you could share uh, share with us? So far, I really like the idea of the war driver, which he's like slots in like pre-configured like combat chips for lack of a kind of an, uh, you yeah. know, programs that okay. allow him to excel like in a particular um, style of combat. So it could be range combat, it could be melee combat, it could be blades, it could be blunt weapons, whatever, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, and so I really like that concept that like this, the, the, the user is, has simplified their interactions with the computer to just be like, I'm about like, doing damage and, and having these kind of specialized chips and, and using them. I, it's, it, it plays off the mighty deeds in DCC. And I've always, I really adore that concept. And so that class getting kind of to do the same thing here is, yeah. is a lot of fun and writing up those mod, those chips are, are also, you know, kind of fun too. <laughs> do you use the, do you use the kind of spell casting framework for um a lot of the stuff or not necessarily yeah there's actually now there's kind of two frameworks for casting um and so one of them's in dying earth that we were talking about the magician uh, memorizes in the vankian D style a spell he has it as a certain spell check level the spells always the same every time he casts it and they run out just like D mm-hmm. in the spell slots and so that mechanic now exists in in Dying Earth, I've leveraged it here in this game, uh, especially for the hacker. He can run spells, you know, programs at a certain yeah. kind of like predetermined uh, outcome. Mm-hmm. But then I also use the you know, Dungeon Crawl Classics, the random table, right, with with results that can improve with higher higher rolls. Yeah, and and that's for like the guy who's you know, wild, you know, he's, he's just in the net and he can just yeah. manipulate it at will kind of, you know, he's, he's changing the variables on the fly as the code's running as it were. So yeah. I use both. Yeah. I think they work well together. Like the paradigms uh, make sense. 
they yeah they both they both fit a certain kind of archetype idea um mm-hmm. from the genre so i should have asked those questions uh, at the beginning of the <laughs> yeah. show not at the end of it but uh, just like, yeah, okay i, I promised i would be done saying yeah. things and i will stop so <clears throat> yeah anything else um i was just going to call out so there is a just absolutely lovely table about entry-level software in this <laughs> in this book it's just full of like phrases just make me make me smile so <laughs> like decryption brute um, there's a ban hammer. Uh, yes. Blockchain yes. <laughs> mail. That's one of my favorites. The, the data, like the datagram stuff you have in here too. Like the names of some of these, like, uh, yeah. Hash smash. <laughs> I, had, I had a ton of fun, like yeah. taking, you know, the profession and just playing around with the words Yes, and, and kind of making them into stuff. I think that yeah. was uh, definitely the B series like that too. Right. Where you just okay. are looking through the, all the monster, all, all the ice and, you know, there's, mm-hmm tons of just computer i'm having fun with computer stuff yeah that's so great that is cool awesome. yeah all right well we'll drop uh, we'll drop links to the patreon and um yeah all, all sorts of stuff in the, in the show notes for this one but yeah thank you james for coming on this was just a wonderful conversation really appreciate it i'm so glad we got to connect and to yeah. talk about um and the and the dice came up magically and you know, <laughs> you know and all the stuff it just gets kismet yeah yeah, it's super good. And well, I thank swear you we, for we do, thank you yeah. for confronting Chris at, uh, at the, uh, <laughs> yes. the, the game event. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to do do our quick wrap up and then we can say goodbye. Um, but yeah, so uh, this has been Roll for Topic. We're part of the Roll for It Media Podcasting Network. Our sister show, The Splat Book, with John Corey and Kyle Latino is wonderful. Um, if you liked this conversation, you would probably would love the conversation they had a couple shows, episodes ago about Dungeon Call, Crawl Classics, specifically the Sailors on the Starless Sea episode. It's just, it's really good. They just kind of go through and highlight the stuff that they enjoy um, about that uh, adventure. And if you get to the end of that and you're not, and you're not like hooked on the idea of running it, I don't know what's wrong with you. So go, <laughs> go listen to it. It's super fun. If you get a chance to play in it, for sure play in it. So modern classic. I think that does it for us. So yeah, again, thank you, James. Um, I've been Chris Alsman. I've been Andy Rao. And remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM. 